The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Morning, everybody. So, man, I, I so enjoyed that session. And Mark, I, I told you this backstage, but uh, man, we're so thankful for you being here and for your word. And so, so appropriate. So, uh, man, thank you guys that, that sent in uh, questions. We have, we have too many questions to cover in our 30 minutes here. So, uh, you might find your question compiled or changed or morphed into another question as well. But, uh, but man, what an opportunity we get to, uh, to just... Uh, continue learning this weekend. There's going to be a lot more sessions that may cover some of the questions you guys had in, uh, in, in other, um, other breakout sessions. So uh, I'm going to jump right in uh, just because our time is limited. Um, we had several of you guys that had asked about, um, you know, the, how do you balance work, ministry work, and family? You know, we kind of talked a little bit about the balance of, of work and rest, but specifically for those with families, how do you um, how do you think about or how do you balance work slash ministry and family? Boy, yeah, that's a huge, huge issue today. And I think that we become, and I'll, I'll, I'll be kind of contrarian here. At, at the 2019 Founders Conference um, before the SBC in Birmingham, uh, I spoke on, and I, I have a little website. Nobody watches it. Uh, my parents are actually dead, so my wife does occasionally. But it's called markcoppinger.com, and it has things that I've written and said and just quick takes. But if you go down to AV at the bottom, these are things that I've, where I've spoken and they recorded it. And if you go to old ones, there's one that starts mature manhood. And I talk there about how... Um, there's a pendulum swing, you know, too much this, too much that. And I think today there is almost too much obsession with the family time. You know, you hear like um, God first, family second, job third, or whatever. Uh, if, take the military model. I mean, how do you balance family time if you're deployed to the, the sandbox, so to speak, for, for a year? Um, I quote in there Antonin Scalia, who was a Supreme Court justice, and he said... Look, I mean, my wife basically raised the kids when they were kids. I didn't go to their ball games, and they didn't come to my Supreme Court things. I mean, uh, I was fortunate. My kids turned out fairly well because I basically was gone a lot, and my wife raised them. Uh, one of them may or may not be someone who's doing something ministerial in a place that may be Southeast Asia I'm not supposed to talk about. One of them is my pastor, and then my daughter. Um, she's in the D.C. area, married to a, uh, to a lawyer who worked in the Bush administration, Harvard Law Degree, and Mark Dever from Capitol Hill Baptist Church said that she was the best evangelist they had at Capitol Hill. And uh, I bragged on that grandma. She had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I, do you know the movie um, Three Amigos? And you know, who is it? Is it Steve Martin or somebody at the, oh, he's, he has this relationship with this young woman. And then at the end, after they beat El Guapo and so forth, he says, I'll be back. And she says, why? Uh, you know, and I, I do this sort of, sort of thing like, do you know Three Greats of Splendor where Nate St. Jim Elliott, Roger Udurian, and do you know what, and they went to the Alcas and they were killed. And, and uh, if, if he had told, Jim Elliott had told Elizabeth Elliott, like, 
hey, I'll, I'll be home. I'm not going out with the Alka thing anymore and be gone so much. And she says, why? Why are you sticking around here? Aren't you supposed to go do, do this sort of thing? I think that men, we can have all kinds of qualifications, but men are on mission to do something. And to think about, the point is, like, go out and kill some dragons, Dad. Um, I think more and more we're getting the image, and there's balance on both sides, but more and more you get the image of, like, the whole point to being a father is to staying home and help the kids build bird birdhouses so that then they can grow up and help their kids build birdhouses, and they can grow up and help their, and because your dad and your attentive and so forth. And it's like, Dad, you know, what's the old thing? Nobody goes to their deathbed and says, oh, I wish I'd spent more time in the office and, you know, or more time at the job instead of with the kids. I think some people need to say, man, I wish I'd spent more time at the office doing the job instead of hanging around home so much. Now, I'm being outlandish here, I know. And we spend a ton of time with our kids. I play catch with them. We go to all their ball games and all this kind of stuff. But the family has become something of an idol today. And it's like, well, Dad, why were you here on earth? Weren't you here to slay dragons? Weren't you here to accomplish something in the world to bring down kingdoms and do this and that? I got the birdhouse. Thank you very much. Now, I can qualify that, but we only have time for a few minutes per question. But I'm just thinking the pendulum has swung so much that we think it sort of be, needs to be split and that you are home all this time doing all this stuff and, you know, watching games with them and, and the like. Yes, invest in that. But um, it's like, Dad, shouldn't you be actually doing something out to change the world according to your vocation? Swinging it back a little bit. That went too long. You said three minutes per question. So we have time for one more question. <laughs> All right, question number two is, uh, how do you know when, if ever, there's a time to step down from one ministry to pursue something you believe God's brought into your life? Yeah, that's been a big thing for us. I've moved a lot. We've totally abused our kids. I think of my daughter. Sharon, you can help me. By the way, stand up. This is my child bride here. Uh, no, please, please. A little hand for the, the woman. You know... As Irma Bombeck said, she's never considered divorce, but murders crossed her mind frequently. And uh, what was your question? How do, you, how do you know if there's a time to yeah. step down? So how many schools did Kesset go to? Three high schools. We moved a lot, different things. And it always wasn't always get out of Dodge. Um, but here are a couple of things that come to mind. I remember leaving philosophy. I taught philosophy at, at, at Vanderbilt and then at Wheaton. And I remember going to philosophical meetings, and I felt a sense of disengagement. You know, I was, remember, I was at the Detroit American Philosophical Association listening to a paper, and it's like, okay, that's, that's kind of good. But it was about Kant or Hegel or somebody, and I could just feel myself disengaging. Like, you know, it's kind of a wrap here. At the same time, I would be teaching Sunday school and church, and I get so excited preparing a message about, about something. So you're, you're disengaged a bit, and then you're drawn by something. I use this example too. Imagine you're in a basketball arena at night and the floor has all these different um, neat things on there. I mean, you could have a, an ATV and you could have a, uh, I don't know, a big screen TV and, and uh, uh, a big library and stuff. And there, maybe there are like 50 things out on the floor. But as you're sitting there, this spotlight comes on and it highlights something. And even though everything on the floor is good, you're drawn back to the thing you know you keep thinking and I remember again and again how like 
No, no, no. Like, yeah, but man, you know, if, uh, hmm, you know, and you start becoming more, more aware, like there's a light on something. It's kind of a holy preoccupation. Also, even going into the ministry, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a philosophy professor. And I figure pastors are like pet squirrels or something. I didn't know, you know, like, oh, that was nice tea, Miss Humblebug. You know, how about your ankle? Uh, I don't know, which is a good thing to do. But then all sorts of things started happening. I started to love preparing uh, to teach the Sunday school. I would be in church and I'd think, coach, put me in. Uh, someone would say, hey, have you thought about this? And like, and like rivers flow together too. So I think it's a combination of a kind of a, a, a fixation on something else and then a disengagement there. It's like in all, all your heart, put into what you got and then see what God's got next. That's good. Yeah, I, I talk to so many young guys that are considering a move and, and a question I always ask is, well, what, what do you want to do? And it's almost like, what, what do I want to do? But that, that holy preoccupation, that's good. Uh, question number three. On the topic of work, what would you say to a person with a secular job who struggles with the question, does my work matter? Boy, it does. And thank God for the Reformation and Martin Luther. Um, it used to be the case that um, before the Reformation, the people who were in monasteries and doing holy work all day long, you know, the sacred vocations, the priests, those were the real guys, the real dudes. And then, uh, you know, make a living, the rest of you. Keep your nose clean, you know, give a little bit of the church and don't steal. And Luther said, no, there's a holiness in vocation that whatever you're called to do, do it with all your heart. And, and I, I don't know if this is apocryphal, but he's quoted as saying, there's more, there's more holiness in a German housewife than all the nuns of Europe. That the, and I was just talking with a, uh, a guy who's done contracting work and coaching and, and, um, and been a, a career counselor in a school and we talked a little bit about being in the public school system. And I was a church planner, but I was also a sub-teacher, which was exciting in Chicago, fell in. And to, just to be in the middle of that, to be in the military, to be a homemaker, those things are holy and awesome before the Lord. Um, I might have had a little impact in this life, but Sharon's raised missionaries and pastors and the best... Um, evangelism in Capitol Hill Baptist Church and so yeah it's and and by the way yeah I mean we when we went to Wheaton we had a thing called the integration of faith and learning where you you learn to take your discipline and apply it um, you know Christianly and and I think there needs to be more training in the integration of faith and workplace yes. and boy I on this work leisure course where online I interviewed all these people um, one light lady wrote a book called Thank God It's Monday. Man, we get back in the workplace and we get after it. I talked to this greeter at Chick-fil-A. I talked to a hotel maid, and they have a way to lift up Christ. I want to tell you very quickly, manner is such a, a huge thing. I mean, let me just tell you a few things. So let's just say you're, well, I'll just pick on Starbucks. Let's say you're in Starbucks, and somebody is over there is making, by the way, they used to say, you had to go to White Hand Pantry to get coffee to steady your nerves so you could stand in line at Starbucks without killing somebody. But at any rate, here's, the, here's a person over here doing all the stuff, and they don't look at you and, you. and this happens at McDonald's, all kinds of places. That simple thing of fellow feeling where you turn and say, I'll be with you in a minute. 
or like, sorry for the wait. It costs you nothing, but it's a social lubricant, you know, or friendliness. I went through Lowe's the other day, and some guy said, oh, you're a veteran. You got a discount. Oh, okay, yeah, fine, thanks. And then lady comes over, no, you don't get that. You have to go online and apply for this, this, and you have to bring documents and da, da, da. And it wasn't like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a little more complicated. No, it was just brusque. If you have somebody who just has an amiability or a fellow feeling, it just makes all the difference in a day. And a Christian can do that, you know. And Chris Rock, uh, one of those great Christian uh, thinkers, once said, I was, I was reading <laughs> Vibe magazine when I was getting a haircut, when I needed haircuts, and uh, now I can groom my hair with a washcloth. But at, at any rate, um, he said, look, just show up five minutes early. You'll stand out. I'm telling you, the standards of work and concern are so low today, I think even lower after COVID. If you just show up and you're friendly and you don't steal stuff and say, you're like a hero today. And that's a great Christian witness there. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think a lot of times of the, I forget where it is in the pastoral epistles, but that our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And if everyone is working in the ministry, then we're just equipping each other to equip each other. And, you know, there's a lot of quotes about, you know, um, living in a, a land flooded with light in regard to missions. But, I mean, we need the saints to go into the darkness where, like you're saying, a, the tiniest bit of light is a, is a difference. So, yeah. And by the way, you, can, you have all these guys flying over with all this intelligence stuff. But you guys in the workplace are boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the territory until you got boots on the ground. Yes. Uh, question number four. Uh, you spoke to the layperson given 10 hours of service on top of their job. So what advice do you have for those in bivocational ministry? How to combat burnout or poor time management? Um, yeah, what, what advice do you have yeah, for those in bivocational? Yeah. And that's what I was. I was bivocational when I was, when I was in Chicago. I mean, I, I still think... You, you think in terms, I mean, obviously they're not going to get as much, well, <laughs> I should qualify that, as much as a full-time pastor. Sometimes bivocationals give more to the church than full-time pastors. Some of them retire at 55, but they stay on the job till 65. But it, it, I, I do think you still, you, you still have the human capacity to, to give a certain number of hours, and then you just turn into dust or something like that. So... It's a, it's a balance kind of thing. One of the things I love about bivocational work was that you have so many examples. You know, they say there's, for writers, there's no bad experience, just new material. Well, for preachers, no bad experience, just new material. The thing about burnout, I will, I will say this, so much of that is psychological. It's not physical. I mean, I remember I would get evaluations, you know, teaching. And I might get like 10 good ones, and then one guy says, I, I, hope, he, I hope he dies, you know, I, uh, dang his face or something. I don't know. I'm doing Johnny Cash now. Uh, but at any rate, and that one would put me in gloom, you know. It, it doesn't. And so, but other times, like, I'll get an email in the morning, and, and um, it's just like, oh, by the way, we are going to do this, or hey, you don't remember me, I was your student in 19 whatever, whatever, and, and I'm going to be in town and I, I want you to sign your book or something like And I can, like, I can walk on air all day long. So a, a lot of the burnout is not, is not physical, like you put in too many hours. It's like you let yourself get down, and you need to be careful that the down 
it's not for some selfish reason like you know well I, they didn't they didn't me a big hug or he got promoted and I didn't and so forth so yeah don't don't work yourself so that you you're just dizzy from exhaustion but guard your heart because I think a lot of times people get stymied or burnt out just because they haven't kept their mind fixed on the Lord and his work you know yeah I Inactivity is not the same thing as rest. Right. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's good. Good word. Can I quote you? Is that original? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll use that. I probably read it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure it's not original. By the way, I just heard a quote on the radio the other day coming up here, and it's like the problem is we have a lot of young men who have no heavenly father and no earthly father. And what a, quite, what a great mm. thing. So I gather quotes. I got yours now. I'm great. Uh, <laughs> So I'm a new youth minister, and I have a professional career outside the church, but thankfully I've had time to pursue seminary courses now that I've completed my professional degree. So any wisdom regarding seminary uh, schools or books for uh, young youth ministers, that'd be greatly appreciated. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, books. My goodness. We mentioned this before. It's sort of like apples and oranges and grapes, and it depends on whether it's apologetics or you know, sermon prep or whatever, biographies. Um, you know, it's really funny. I had the doctorate when I taught at Vandy and taught at Whedon, and then I felt called to seminary. And some of my colleagues are like, why are you going to seminary? I mean, you've got a doctorate, and you've heard chapel at Wheaton for six years where you have, you know, all kinds of people come through, and surely you could do it. But, yeah, but I don't have a doctorate in Hebrew or Greek or preaching or, you know, whatever. So we sold the home and burned up all the equity, took the kids, lived in seminary housing in my 30s, and I was drinking out of a fire hose the whole time. It was just, I was, you know, I was loving it. I think seminary is really a good thing to do. Now, there are all kinds of options. A lot of people are doing online and, and this and that, but I think learning those basics is really important. Having a course in apologetics and, and um, you know, church history and theology and what's the difference between and even just New Testament and Old Testament so you know the difference between Ashkelon and, Ash and Abishag or, I mean it's 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 good you know Herschel Hobbes once said if you presume to train a dog first you must know more than the dog and there's no substitute for just knowing your stuff and being uh, an open-ended reader um, but you're talking he's trying juggling a lot of different things and um, you can sleep when you die <laughs> All right, so last question, uh, and and this one, this one you kind of, you know, spoke to in the in the larger talk and 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 answering the first one, but uh, this one is I find myself on the workaholic end of the spectrum. Uh, you've given some you know advice and and leading here about rest and work, and obviously that's what the the bulk of the talk w was about. But what advice would you give to build in meaningful? rest while faithfully working for the gospel? Well, one of those questions is, in the, in the, in the whole discipline of work-leisure, is, is do you work in order to rest or do you rest in order to work? And if you aren't unstringing the bow, if you're not taking your recreation and resting and, and the like, then you're going to be sorrier and sorrier. I mean, a workaholic is, you know, alcoholic is one who just depletes his powers and becomes more and more useless because he's abused himself. And so you need to know what it is. I mean, for one thing, you just need to know the work patterns of your life. When I was in grad school, between 10 p.m. and 2 in the morning, 
that's when I could really crank. Now, I can't even remember my name between 10 and night and 2 in the morning or something. Uh, I get my best stuff done in the morning. Uh, and also, I, I, I had these little triggers, like a little bit of coffee. I, I buy coffee hot and then put it in the refrigerator. And just that, even, even though I don't have a big drink of it, I can just, it, it triggers a place to work. One thing you do is you park on the downhill at night before. In other words, you kind of have your stuff organized so you can jump in and do it. And so you do have these patterns, but a lot of it has to do with rest and work. You just know, like, no, I'm not going to be productive tonight. We're going to sit down, and we're going to veg out in front of the TV and watch two episodes of Terminal List with uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt. Um, not that I ever saw that or anything, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, or, or, you know, Midsummer Murders or something on BritBox. Or I'll, and and we... Um, we went to the Southern Baptist Convention in June in Anaheim, took the train out, which is fun, kickback. But then we just managed around all the heavy spiritual things we were doing to take in three ball games. We went to Petco, saw the, uh, saw the Padres play the Rockies. We went to Anaheim and saw them play the Mets. And we went to uh, Chavez Ravine and saw the Dodgers play the, the Angels. And so you just, but then you're fresh and you get back to it. So I would say, just manage your rest with the eye of being productive yeah. and counting. It's not like, okay, how much do I have to count so then I can take off and then bass fish and play 18 holes of golf a day the last 40 years of my life or something. I mean, what, what is that? I mean, just stick a poker in my eye. You know? Yeah, yeah I, I think for me a lot of times it's finding what gives me a – mental and spiritual reset button, yeah. you know, yeah. so that I can be faithful. And whether it's a, like a, a micro dose of just time with the Lord in the middle of yeah. the day, or whether it's going on a run yeah. uh, and just having that time. Cause you know, oftentimes we're so busy and we're listening to podcasts while we're driving and we're talking to folks yeah. all day. And when yeah. you get in bed, it's just like your brain goes, Oh, inactivity, let's go. And you yep. start thinking yes. through everything. Yes. But if I can build in those times where I'm with the Lord and where I'm quiet, and yeah. for me, it has to be yeah. with my body active, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then I find that that Reboot. hits yeah. that reset button yeah. so yeah. that I can get back to faithful That's good. Work. And I think the older get, too, just walking, mm-hmm. um, the ideas come to your mind when you walk, and you're refreshed when you walk. And so, yeah. But, but again, your point is not like, man, I hope I can get enough stuff here so that then I can just become wandering the mountains, Appalachian trail, trail singing do Lord or something that you really want to have a ministry here, but you don't want to, you don't want to just wreck yourself. So you do those. I like it. Yeah. Good stuff. Listen to him. He, he knows what he's talking about. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being here this weekend. And, and it's a, I mean, it's a joy uh, to hear from you and just a, a good reminder of just, to be faithful in the work of the Lord with joy, with joy. Amen. And so, man, we're, we're so thankful for that reminder. Let me say one more word about joy. You know, sometimes I distinguish happiness from joy, and happiness depends on happenstance. You got an inheritance or a good liver or you got promoted. Uh, joy, to me, is God's up to something, and I'm in on it. That's joy. So you could be in the Colosseum or the Circus Maximus, and they're chasing you down. The lion's about to get you. And you think, you know, there's a kid up there who's going to ask his dad, what in the world's going on? And he said, well, he's some kind of 
Christ follower or something when the kid follows up. And so this may actually be counting as a marturion, as a mar martyr, that this could, God is up to something even in my being eaten by a lion, and I'm in on it. That's good. Joy. That's good. Let's, uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for our, for our time, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. Jesus, thank you for this time to just stop. I know all these guys are out of their normal game right now. They're out of their normal schedule. And uh, thank you for this yesterday and today just to get out of our normal routine so we can focus on you. Lord, I pray that you would give us, um, give us joy and purpose and intentionality in our work for you, Lord, that you would refresh us with your word and, uh, and even with this weekend. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the calling that you've called us to, and I pray that we'd be faithful. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.